Hello and welcome to Case Reopened, your number one Detective Conan rewatch podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Freeze, and joining me as always is the one, the only, Colleen. How are you today? Hello, I'm doing great. How are you, Tyler? Uh, doing well, doing well. Uh, we've got two episodes here today. We have episode 112, The Seven Mysteries of Titan Elementary School Case, and... Episode 113, The White Sandy Beach Murder Case. So, uh, this should be interesting. They're two very different cases. Oh, totally. It was actually a nice variety. Yeah, I feel like these two cases are a good good look at what Detective Cannon has to offer. You know, the different types of cases and everything. So I think this is a a very solid entry point. Somebody was just flipping through the channels and happened to see these two episodes. They'd have a good taste of what Conan has to offer here. Yeah, why not? Would you necessarily uh, show these two episodes to someone who's never seen Conan? Like, if you wanted to give them an example. Sure, why not? Conan works yeah. <laughs> because you don't need, like, much not, like, 99% of the episodes can be shown in any order, and you're gonna be totally fine, you're not gonna be, like, overly confused or anything. You might be like, why is that kid so smart when he's like, six, but other than that, like, there's not much to be confused about. No, that's true. So, pro- but you're probably not, uh, it's probably not advised to show, like, a Black Organization episode without maybe seeing the first one. But yeah, you're right. Probably any one of these cases, because they're just so standalone, you can just uh, sort of enter at any point that you desire, and you'll still understand what's going on. So episode 112, The Seven Mysteries of Titan Elementary School Case, originally aired August 10th, 1998. And the Conan's hint going into this is School Infirmary. And Conan opens the episode by saying, Taking place at our school, scary horrors haunt us in the darkness. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I want to ask what fan sub you watched of this, because there there, there are some... (laughs) Because I had to search for a different one, because my normal site had Conan spelled with a K, and I just knew it was going to be a bad time after I saw that, so I went and found a different sub. Okay, so I think I watched the sub that you ended up abandoning, because they definitely did spell Conan with a K at the beginning, and then they couldn't decide, I guess the subber was going purely off of, you know, the Japanese, well, I'm not as familiar with Japanese as I am with Korean, for instance, but there's some wonky stuff going on with the um, the pronouns. Like It went from he, he to she, and sometimes they're referring to the teacher as a he, and I was like, all right, <laughs> I'll just go with it. I know what they're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I made a good decision skipping out of that. So as soon as I saw Conan with a K, I was like, this can't be good. So I found another sub that had like blue subtitles, and that wound up being pretty solid. So, okay, well maybe I should have watched that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, I wish I had the I uh, uh, put in more effort into that. I was just like, okay, I'll just stick with this. So if at any point there's something that I'm like, oh, that's interesting because I thought it was this, then you'll know it was my sub. <laughs> Yeah, most of the time, even with the bad subs, like, you still get most of the picture. I remember for a while, the Zero's Tea Time manga wasn't getting fan translated into English, 
but there was like there was like Spanish uh translations going up. So I would bring up like Babelfish and I would <laughs> type in the Spanish so I could re- and have it translated back to English so I could read it. So but I got I still got the stories, you know. Hey, it works. I mean, it makes your reading three times longer, but that's what you got to do sometimes. That's so you can truly digest it and enjoy each word, you know? Right, because you're putting in way too much time than if it were in English, but it makes you appreciate it more for sure. Exactly. So the episode begins with Conan being told by Genta Mitsuhiko that the school is haunted. Conan asks if it's the seven mysteries of the school, but is told that it isn't that childish. They say that one week ago, a student entered the art room to look at a big painting displayed there, and all eight of the plaster figures were turned around to look at her. Conan says it must just be a coincidence, but Mitsuhiko says that there are less people at school each day, which Conan explains by saying it's the flu season. I really like this introduction here because, like, they're all giving these, like, school myths to Conan. He's just trying to explain them all away uh, as, like, the skeptic that he is. What do you think about this opening? Yeah, it's definitely super Shinichi, uh, like, reminiscent of how he does the same thing with Ron whenever she's scared of some paranormal activity. Like, I I guess I appreciate that they keep um, this uh, point about Conan slash Shinichi, like, consistent. Like, he's constantly just trying to explain the paranormal (laughs) as if it or nothing. Genta says that he's heard a scary rumor about the human doll that's in the infirmary. It was seen running down the hallway at a super fast speed four days ago. Ayumi then chimes in saying that she saw something but doesn't specify what. Genta then says that the detective boys have to solve this case, but their teacher, Sumiko Kobayashi, yells at them to pay attention. Genta complains about how mean the teacher is and says that their previous teacher, Tatani, was much nicer. So, uh, I gotta ask Colleen, first off, what's your first impressions of Kobayashi? Kind of, kind of a biatch. Oh, definitely. She was, she would probably be the epitome of all the teachers that you hated in school and, like, the cranky teachers that, um, that would uh, punish you if you (laughs) didn't do something right or you got, like, a math problem wrong or something. Um, but I, (laughs) so... I looked up this episode because um, her name sounded familiar to me, or I had some inclination that this was a bigger character, and I didn't realize because the design was so different, but she becomes, like, she gets a more prominent role later on in the series. Yeah, she does. Uh, it's it's kind of fun seeing how her character morphs and I like how it isn't just like, oh, we changed this character suddenly. Like, they give a good reason for her uh, personality at least changing, you know, over the series. Right. So, I guess we could count this as the introduction of a semi-relevant um, character. Although, I feel like she doesn't... Like, for the first few episodes that she's in, at least, I couldn't recall her at all. It was only until later where she uh, adopts a specific role that I'm not going to say for spoiler reasons, but she uh, does something and then she becomes a little bit more, I guess, important. <laughs> yeah, so I have to ask here, do you ever have, tell me your bad teacher stories. Did you ever have somebody that was real, like, stuck up, strict, mean teacher? 
real piece of work. Um, I did have one teacher. Um, she just she's really mean to me for some reason. Uh, this was a French teacher, and uh, I don't know if it was because I'm I was always shy in class and doubly so in French class because I just didn't feel comfortable always expressing myself in uh, another language. Um, so most of my French teachers have always been okay. Like they recognize that. But this one, for some reason, uh, she was just a piece of work. And um, there was one time when I was uh, saying something in class and uh, I guess you just have this habit sometimes people like will put their mouth or their hand close to their mouth either you know they're leaning up against her or something and I just did it uh, like um, subconsciously and she she pointed that out she's like oh but take your mouth away or take your hand away from your mouth and she did it quite rudely and I mean looking back at it I I guess she just did it for my own good but at the time I was like oh I do not like you. <laughs> So I had this one math teacher that was really horrible, and <laughs> I forget what exactly the math thing was, but my buddy Ben, he, uh, like, totally failed this math test. Like, he did, it was one of those, like, math equations where you have to do something specifically one way, and he did it another way, so he had, like, a fundamental misunderstanding of how the math worked. And that caused him to do every single question on the test wrong. So oh, he got no. a zero. Uh-huh. And she was gloating so much. Uh, like, she showed his zero to everybody in the entire class. Like, she was a real just mean teacher. And she's, like, gloating about it. But eventually, we would get the last lap. As one day, she had, like, you know, they had the projectors. And there was a cord running out. And so she tripped on the cord and she just totally ate it on the, on the, uh, <laughs> onto the floor. And the one girl that like really hated the teacher, she just started laughing so hard. And then the rest of the students started laughing. It was an all time great yeah, high school moment right there. Just watching Mrs. Ake fall on her ass right there. That was a good, good <laughs> moment. She deserved Shout it. Shout out. Shout out yeah, to Yeah, shout them. out to Mrs. Ake. <laughs> terrible math teacher we um we had a lot of substitute teachers that we didn't like and i will clarify that by saying i didn't mind them like a lot of us didn't mind them it's just that we had this one kid in our class who would always um really bother the substitute teachers and this kid was actually pretty funny like i could do a whole episode just talking about his shenanigans but this one time he actually threw a desk at a substitute teacher and because yeah, we all rules. yeah we, and we all laughed so all of us got quote-unquote detention <laughs> i can't actually remember if that ever went through because it was a substitute teacher after all but yeah that was like a very memorable moment in elementary school at least oh yeah that's awesome Oh, jeez. So back to the episode during a cleaning break. This is something I found weird. They have like breaks where they have to clean at school. This must be a Japanese thing. Did you ever have cleaning breaks? Uh, No. So 
I do re- remember just having to put our chairs on our desks at the end of the day, but that was so the janitor can come clean up like in the evening. Yeah. But yeah, definitely I've seen this before in uh, like Japanese materials, anime, like you have like class um groups, I guess, identified and it's like they rotate the cleaning duties in the school. So they're doing their cleaning and Kenan asks Ayumi what she saw. She says that three days ago at night she came in to feed the fish since he was worried about them. And when she entered the room, there was a creepy person wearing a mask over their mouth. Uh, maybe they were just trying to stay safe from the coronavirus, you know. You can say it. Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that. I, uh, In watching this episode and like having the silhouette figure often wearing the mask, that's exactly what I thought of. I'm like, what? what a timely episode to be watching right now. Ayumi told the vice principal about this, and he said that he'd look into it. However, he wasn't here yesterday or today, so she's worried that something happened to him. She asked Kobayashi and the other teachers, but they don't know where he was. And when she rang his doorbell, nobody answered. So we have a mysterious disappearance here. Yep. I guess that's part of one of the seven mysteries. Kona remarks that the vice principal has lived alone ever since his wife died. And Ayumi blames herself for his disappearance, saying he must have been killed. I love the just logic leaps. He doesn't show up for two days, so like... But it is the Conan universe, so it kind of makes sense. It's like, if somebody doesn't show up, you're like, ah, probably dead. Well, given how many murders these kids have seen, that's probably programmed in their minds by now. And God, they have so many more to see, too. Right. Kobayashi then yells at the kids for talking and reminds them that Parents' Day is coming up and that they have to bring the forms for it to any students that were absent today. She leaves the classroom and another teacher, Masayuki Ohara, asks if she's okay as she looks a little pale. He also says that it must be hard dealing with all these first-year boys and that she should lighten up a little. She says that isn't the problem and then she just walks off. Um, Colleen, I wanted to get the female perspective here. Um, I know a common thing uh, that women complain about are when guys, like, tell them to smile. Do you kind of think that's what he was doing here? I mean, I think he had better intentions, but is that kind of how he came across to you? Uh, No, he didn't. No, I didn't even uh, catch that at all. Um, But that is... Given like depending on the context that that can be a little irritating it's kind of synonymous with like okay just relax or just calm down like you do not say those words whoa whoa, whoa. calm down colleen just relax a little <laughs> bit let's have you smile the rest of this podcast okay i don't want you getting down hey talk that's to me, me being grumpy like... <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't really translate well to the audio podcast it's just a lot of no it does not I'm like pouting here all by myself. <laughs> Kenny then asks Ohada where the vice principal is, and he gets nervous and says he'll come back one of these days before running off. What a mysterious guy, man. What do you think about this vice principal? What do you think happened to him? To be honest, I didn't really pay that much attention. I was like, okay, I'll, like, he'll come around eventually. I was more intrigued by the, by the um, what what were they calling it? The the medical dummy, I don't know, the human body sculpture guy. Yeah, I was more intrigued about down. how he yeah. was managing to get around. Yeah, the vice principal, like, okay, honestly, when I 
looked up uh, Kobayashi, I did spoil the episode for myself, so I knew what what was up with that guy. So that kind of he took like a backseat for the rest of the episode while I was watching it. The detective boys say that he must be hiding something, and Genta kicks the wall in anger. That's when we see the elderly principal, Ryujiro Yamatsu, who walks up to Genta and tells him that the building isn't meant to be kicked. Imagine if there was a building that was just <laughs> meant to be kicked. Wouldn't that be fun? Just something you could, like, let off a little steam? Like, when I tell you to smile and, the you know, relax a little bit, you can just go to this building and just kick it. Just a whack! Yeah. I think he just came up with a good uh, business idea there. Stress reliever. The principal says that the school is turning 30 this year and that it's gone through many tough times. He asks them to treat it kindly, and then Conan asks him about the vice principal. He stops and says that he's a pretty unlucky person. The truth is often found out. It's due to fate. So we get some mysterious words from the old guy. That seems to be the thing. Like these old wise sage characters just come up, say a bunch of gibberish, and then you're left wondering, huh, what, what did he mean by that? Can we also take a moment to appreciate this guy's facial hair and how it looks like his eyebrows? It's pretty cool. That's like the ideal facial hair for anybody. That's what I'm aiming yeah. to get. Well, the eyebrows, too. He could probably like tie his eyebrows to his mustache. That's how long they are. Yeah, I, I trimmed everything up yesterday, but I kept, I kept the uh, eyebrows long. I want to grow them out, you know? Right. I mean, that's that's a look nowadays. That's well, I mean, what's, what's you're in. apparently into it. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know if into it is the right way to describe it. But uh, the the principal goes through a quite a major design change later on. If you look up like ep- like whatever, 700 episodes from now, he looks totally different. <laughs> The kids come back to the school at night and are set on figuring out all the mysteries. Conan knows a way inside and goes through an open window before locking it. He then tells the rest of them that it's too dangerous and that they should hurry up and leave. Um, And we see this a lot with Conan, especially early on with the detective boys, where he tries to get them to go off while he solves everything. And I love their reaction here because they just pick up this giant rock and they're going to throw it through the windows. He's like, (laughs) okay, okay, I got you. I'll let you in. Yeah, no, it was Before cute. Before you destroyed public property. Right. You, you, we've already been warned about kicking buildings, so I don't think throwing rocks through a window is any better. What if they did that and the principal disappeared right behind him and he was like, come on, kid, I just told you <laughs> earlier today about the kick it. How do you think this is right? Windows are not for breaking. <laughs> All the kids but Conan are visibly creeped out. And Conan tells them that teachers will know they snuck in as they forgot to take their shoes off. And we see this muddy trail there. After washing all the dirt off, we see the kids run back as Ayumi forgets to turn off the faucet. However, a mysterious figure turns it off shortly afterward. So that's our first little hint that things are not as they seem here. Yeah, they're not alone. The kids enter a classroom and Genta is about to turn a light on when Conan tells them that they'll blow their cover if he does that. Conan and Mitsuhiko then pull out flashlights and examine the plaster figures. Conan notices that somebody marked the tables on where to line up the figures, and then finds some tape attached to the head of one. So I I like this little scene with Mitsuhiko, because he's always like the second smartest, 
but he's like he's so far away from Conan, so it's like it's like a little it's a little badge when he's on his level for like five seconds, even if it's something as small as bringing a flashlight. Yeah, I don't know why, but Mitsuhiko for me has so much more of a know-it-all attitude than Conan for some reason. I don't know why, because Conan equally maybe for some people gives off that kind of uh, personality, but Mitsuhiko but here, here's for some the reason difference. makes it annoying. Okay. Here's the difference. It. Conan actually does know it all, while Mitsuhika is just a smart, like, first grader who doesn't really know that much. Right. But because he's friends with, well, Ayumi's semi-smart, but because he's best friends with Genta, uh, he just comes off as so much more, like, a genius. That's probably why he keeps yeah. Genta around. That's, that's, that's why I keep you along for the podcast, too. You figured it out. I'm just gonna smile. <laughs> no, I I knew that. See, that's that's why I keep you around for all your facial cues for this audio podcast. The people love it. Right on this audio podcast. <laughs> they then explore the infirmary and they can't find the model at first. However, Ayumi uncovers a blanket over top of it and runs out of the room crying in fright. She then bumps into a cardboard box filled with dolls and says that she dropped her handkerchief. Conan wonders why the box isn't in the nearby closet, and Ayumi notices that all of her classmates' names are written on the dolls. All of the dolls are in very good condition, but Genta's, whose little fat pig doll's head falls off and is all beaten up. Uh, this frightens Genta, and they wonder if this has anything to do with the decreasing number of students in their class. What do you think about these dolls? Like, Did you think it was like a voodoo doll type thing? What was your thought there? Um, well... Because I spoiled the episode for myself, I knew what the dolls were for, but it it was still a little weird to me how they didn't, at least, and this might have been where my sub uh, betrayed me, but there was a part where the kids weren't sure, I guess they knew that which dolls represented them, but it's almost like the names weren't written on them properly. And then Conan was like, oh, you don't see someone with the name Edogawa every day. And they're just like, oh, my gosh, you're right. It's there are names. They represent us. Yeah. At first, because it's just their last names. So okay. everybody was just like, oh, well, this is a fun coincidence. My name's on here. Oh, my name's on here, too. And then Conan sees Edogawa. And obviously, there's no other Edogawas there. So. Uh, okay. Yeah, but I don't know, kind of, I was probably most intrigued by why Genta's was all beat up and why his little piggy head fell off. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Mitsuhika tries to calm Genta down by saying that everything else has been normal, and he points towards the infirmary. However, he's frightened when he sees the model, which is now staring at them through the window. I like how he's trying to be like, hey man, everything's cool. Ah! And then he freaks out. Mm-mm. Yep, that's uh, why I keep you around. <laughs> what, so I can get freaked out? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Kenny and the rest take a look, but it's gone. Kenny then runs back to the room, and the model is where it was, but Ayumi's handkerchief is now underneath it, so it was moved. So somebody's moving this doll all around. What's up with that? Yeah, um... I guess it's so much more creepier because this is like a human body without the skin on it, essentially. Yeah, like a medical dummy. 
Yeah. I mean, it's different than the little dollies that the kids found earlier. So Kanan says that someone must have moved it, and Ayumi is glad that it's not a ghost. However, Kanan says that it's much scarier as somebody is coming to the school at night to sneak around, and that's when we see a mysterious figure watching the kids. Conan actually notices them near a window out of the corner of his eye, and he runs after them, but he doesn't see where they went. He proves that somebody was there by pointing at the window, which is slightly fogged up. Conan says it's not safe for them to be here, that they should alert the security guard. Mitsuhiko says that the teacher's room has a phone, and Conan's surprised to find that it's not locked. They phone the guard, but we see that he's drunk and passed out. I didn't know that Kogo had a second job as a security guard calling. Yeah, and that uh, he's able to change his face at will. Mitsuhiko wonders if something happened to him, but Conan correctly guesses that he just drank too much, and then he says that he's been irresponsible for a long time. Ayumi asks how he knows this, and he quickly lies by saying that Ron told him. So we get one of those classic Conan goofs where he talks like Shinichi here. Mm-hmm. This no, this next part is probably one of my favorite parts, if not my favorite part of the episode, which is kind of bad, seeing as it's, it's the Kogoro part. <laughs> it's really good. Kanan decides to call Kogoro instead of the police, as nothing has really happened yet, and we find Kogoro is just as drunk as the security officer. Conan tells him to come over to the school, but he calls Conan a moron as he graduated a long time ago. <laughs> is that exactly the translation that you have? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So my wonderful sub said, um, "I graduated like eight hundred years ago." It's <laughs> like okay, <laughs> I, what an interesting number to choose. I like that. I like Kago being like eight hundred years old. Yeah. Karen tells him to come over with Ron, and Kago agrees. And Karen remarks that everybody's drunk when they when they're needed. <laughs> However, Kogoro immediately passes out and does not come over. <laughs> I know. So they're just, Conan just keeps waiting for him. As they go up the stairs, the kids notice smoke on the ground and some red liquid starts going down the handrail. Ginta freaks out thinking it's blood, but Conan calms him down by saying it's just red paint. He then explains that the smoke is from dry ice being put in water. They decide to act scared to trick the suspect here. So what do you think about this, uh... This this moment here, I thought it was a cool moment because Conan's able to see through the tricks, and then they use a little reverse psychology here to actually trick the suspect here. Yeah, I I gotta admit this part uh, confused me slightly, just because I knew uh, sort of the culprit, if you will, and what they were up to, and I thought that that particular culprit did this, and I just didn't understand why. But, um, so that's why it kind of, uh, freaked me out a little bit more for the kids as to, like, it seems like somebody is intentionally trying to frighten them. Of course, it doesn't work because of Conan, but it just seems odd if the person, uh, the culprit is actually, um, like, has good intentions. (laughs) Yeah, I I like this, though, because I I love the little double twist here at the end where, Oh, crap, there's a second person up here. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was a really fun part of the episode. Uh, After hiding in the bathroom, they look in the classroom and see somebody in a mask talking to ten people. This is the same person that Ayumi saw, and Conan says that he's figured it all out. 
We run over to the classroom and Conan knocks on the door. He turns on the light and we see the statues, the dolls, and the model all there. It's actually a replica of Parents' Day with the dolls as students and the statues as parents. Conan says that the person wore a mask so nobody would hear their voice. And then he tells Kobayashi to come out from hiding under the table. We just see her hiding under the <laughs> table trying not to be seen. I'm, I guess it's it's good that they did that because it was sort of our first moment where we saw her vulnerable. So it kind of makes it more believable once they start describing her as shy and how, you know, she actually loves children and she was just acting strict and all that. Uh, it just, it's such a, you know, 180 from when we saw her last, when she was like all strict and screaming at the kids. So it was yeah. rather cute. Ayumi's delighted to find out it's just the teacher and Ginta says that it's fine that she's practicing, but she should work on being nicer to the students. Uh, Kobayashi says that they have it wrong as she loves all her students and that at her old school she couldn't get mad at any of them. On the first parents day everything went wrong as a boy made fun of her and then got into a fight during it. She wanted to make sure that it would never happen again and has become more strict as a result. She couldn't forget about last year so she was practicing to make sure it wouldn't repeat. Gento looks like the boy that started the fight so she got increasingly worried she also says that now the kids are all scared of her and maybe she's not ready to be a teacher. So I like these the self-doubt here. I thought this really humanizes her. And even though she doesn't have a lot of screen time, they did a real good job of making her character change matter, I thought. Yeah, it, um, it was sort of... Uh, you really kind of felt more for the character. Uh, and to the point that like they talked about, you know, the teacher that she replaced, and I was like, I don't remember that teacher very much at all, but at least I remember Kobayashi. Yeah, and, like, I think it's a very relatable issue, um, because everybody has, like, these insecurities, and then I think we've all kind of acted like a different person before, maybe not being rude to people, but you want to act like a cool guy. I mean, not I've never had to do that, because I'm just naturally cool, but other <laughs> people have told me that they've had to done this, yeah. <laughs> sorry that was a, a timed guffaw there um yeah it's it's kind of cute because she's using that same method of talking to stuffed animals or dolls when you're practicing public speaking so it's kind of uh there's something endearing about it ayumi says that it isn't true and that she knew that the teacher was nice all along she saw Kobayashi taking care of the plants and changing water in the fish tank and knew that she was a good person deep down inside. The other kids noticed it as well. And Genta even says that it was surprising for an old witch to do that. Kevin <laughs> <laughs> says that no matter how hard you try, you can't fool kid. And everybody high fives. They're all having a good time. They're like, yeah, that's the end of the episode. That's wow. the, the one liner. Um, yeah, I mean... Coming from a 17-year-old, I don't know how truthful that is. Can't fool kid, yeah. But uh, actually, the episode's not over. Uh, Conan urges her to go back to normal. And Ayumi says that she went too far with the paint and smoke. But the teacher knows nothing about this. And she says this uh -oh. is the first time she's seen them tonight. And that she was hiding in the infirmary after she heard Mitsuhiko scream. So they're like, whoa, what? So Conan runs outside, and he sees a light from the teacher's room, and that's when he spots the vice principal in there, who's unexpectedly bald. 
This is my favorite part of the episode. Turns out that he had lost his toupee after Ohada had opened a window, and the wind just took a took it with a gust. And he was trying to search for it. Thus, he was trying to scare the kids off. And the kids spend the rest of the night searching for it, but it was nowhere to be found. And it turns out that the old principal, with his with his weird hair, facial hair, had it the entire time. Yeah, it'll go so well with his eyebrows. I, I love this ending because. It, the big twist you're like oh shit and then it's just super wacky it's it's like yeah yeah you're like oh man is somebody actually sneaking around up here and then it's just like this dude looking for his wig yeah, yeah. i kind of wonder what was going through because i think this is a manga case right i, I was wondering what yeah. was going through goshoyama's head when he was writing this because he just has like this random character in it all of a sudden like like some weird subplot him looking for his wig but he happens to be you know scaring kids off in the middle of the night too maybe it's based off a real story maybe gosho did that he had to scare off his manga assistants while he looked for his toupee <laughs> maybe so what do you think about the episode overall i i i liked it I thought it was a fun watch, uh, a little spookiness, so you you get a little bit of kind of suspense and danger, but not too much to the point that you think that the kids are uh, actually going to be in harm's way. Um, I liked that we uh, were introduced to uh, Kobayashi, Kobayashi, I think that's her name, um, although looking back now kind of like now knowing what i know about future episodes it's uh interesting how like i guess her character arc is going to come really slowly because they at this point like she basically was introduced to the detective boys but her role like the her relationship with them doesn't really um advance until much later but yeah, I think overall it was a fun little watch, and I only the only thing I would have wanted more was uh, an end scene. I didn't get one. I'm not sure if your version had one, but I would have loved to have like Kogoro finally come to the school or something, or have something just to tie off that Kogoro uh, plot line. Yeah, there wasn't an ending scene. That was uh, strange. But I feel like maybe the twist was such a you know that was almost kind of its own ending scene as itself because you have the you have the little humor punchline of the principal having it. So I, I yeah. get, you know, we got True. that little fun beat there. But yeah, it does miss the little ending scene there. I thought the episode was really fun. I like, I always like the more lighthearted uh, Detective Boy stuff where it's just kids getting into some trouble and stumbling upon stuff. And there wasn't like a grisly murder. There wasn't any big conspiracy. It was just them doing kid stuff, checking out the school at night. Like, it's all very relatable and fun stuff. This is... What I really like when the detective boys are up to when they're just doing their kid stuff. And I thought it was a really fun episode. So the next Conan's hint is Pool Float. And that leads us to our next episode, which is episode 113, The White Sandy Beach Murder Case. This originally aired on August 17th, 1998. And Conan says, it's summer, it's the sea, it's the beach. Let's watch out for drowning incidents. I, I like that. I think that's one of the stronger opening lines that we've heard in a while. 
Is that how you celebrate at the beach? You're like, yo, it's <laughs> summer, it's the sea, it's the beach. Let's watch out for drowning incidents. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm there and all my friends are looking at me like a wackadoo. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Colleen? And I tell them, well, you don't watch enough Detective Conan. You wouldn't understand. Amen, sister. So the episode begins with Ron and Kenny enjoying the sunset on the beach. She says she's glad her dad discovered this place. And Kenan reveals that they're only at the beach because Kagura drove the wrong way. <laughs> I love that. And then we get some more Kagura goodness here as we see him bragging at a bar, but nobody's next to him as the woman he was talking to already left. And he's very surprised when the bartender tells him that she left quite a bit ago. Oh, this is so perfect. He's just like, pour another one for the lovely lady I'm talking to. And the bartender's like, um, she's gone, dude. Ron and Conan arrive at the bar and tell Kagero it's time to leave as it's already past 10. And he doesn't want to go up first, but Conan appeals to his ego, saying it'd be bad if the great Mori Kagero got drunk here and remarks at what an easily convinced person Kagero is. After hearing Kagero's name, one of the customers come over and he asks him if he's the famous detective. He says it's such an honor to meet him and asks him to come over to the table as they'd love to buy him a drink and hear stories from him. However, the, his other friend, Tanaka, asks him just to shut up as Kegger is being a nuisance, which he kind of was being a nuisance. He was being super obnoxious and trying to talk to this girl that wasn't even there. Yeah, I mean, if this were just some guy, like if Kogoro was a character that we didn't know or anything, I would not like him at all at this point. But I I forgive him every time he asks, acts this stupidly drunk because Kogoro is just so fun i don't know after that exchange kegger decides to leave and the nice guy apologizes for his friend being rude as he's a bit drunk that's when a woman named yamada tomoko arrives and she asks tanaka if he knows where mitsuko is as she didn't show up to their meeting and wasn't at home he says that he doesn't know and asks her to leave after saying that they're not in a relationship anymore so we have some drama here that will surely not come up in the future of this episode Nope, I don't think that uh, this will result in a murder at all. The next day, Kegaro is lying under an umbrella on the beach holding a cold can to his head as he's hungover while Ron and Kenan swim in the ocean. The two dive under the water and wind up spotting a dead body that's tied to the rock. So, uh, guess who this is, Colleen? Um, it's probably the girl that uh, the other one couldn't find. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. If I were a betting person. <laughs> police arrive and Kegura punches Kenan in the head for trying to investigate the body. Local police are impressed to have a famous detective on the case. And then Tomoko runs over to the body, confirming that the victim is her friend, Mitsuko. Uh, I always love when we get the local police forces. Because this yeah. guy's cool. He's got, he's got like this, mo he's got this big spiky mohawk going on. <laughs> Although he didn't get a title card, so you kind of get a sense of, we're probably never going to see this guy again. Yeah, you know he's not important when his name he never gets named. Yeah. <laughs> Tanaka then arrives, and it's revealed that he's doing the autopsy, and as he's the town's best doctor. The policeman asks Kogiro to aid their investigation, as this is a peaceful town, and they're not used to dealing with dead bodies. Tanaka says that it might be a suicide as there's no sign of a struggle and that she must have went out into the sea in a boat and then drowned herself. Conan finds this odd as Tanaka said he'd have to take a closer look at the hospital 
but is talking with certainty that it's a suicide. Tomoko calls Tanaka a murderer and says her friend wouldn't commit suicide. She then tells Kogoro that Tanaka used to date Mitsuko, and that he even proposed to her, but then he left her to get engaged to an important hospital chief's daughter instead. It's too strange that he didn't even flinch when he saw the girl used to date dead, she says. Kogoro admits that it is suspicious, and Kenan believes that he's the murderer as well, and Kogoro tells Tomoko that he'll unmask him and clear the mystery of Mitsuko's death. So, it's, it's funny to see Kogoro so excited to take on a case and, like, vowing to sh- use his brain power for good. Do you think it's just because he thought the girl was cute? Or what do you think here? Oh, well, he didn't do any, you know, Kogoro-esque facial expressions or moves on her to imply that she thought um, she was cute. I think it might have been the fact that he didn't really like the doctor from, you know, oh, the evening yeah, before. Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, they do have like a personal grudge going on. That yeah. makes more sense. But I gotta say, my favorite part of this scene was watching all the other townspeople just sort of circled around them. Like their whole conversation keeps going, and you see all these background characters like gaping at them, and it's so funny to me because it's just like, why are you guys still around? That's what I say every episode when you show up to record. I'm like, why are you still around? Well, I mean, otherwise it would be a monologue. I mean, I'm sure you'd be great at just talking into a microphone for an hour, but uh, maybe oh God. I, I <laughs> please I don't leave me. Like to... <laughs> please don't leave. Well, um, not until Kyle comes back, at least. The official autopsy is that it was a death by drowning, and the estimated time of death is after 10 p.m. last night. Kegaro brings up Tanaka's past relationship, and the police chief is shocked to hear about it. Kegaro says that it's not proper to have a person with a motive to do the autopsy, and that they haven't found a will from the victim. Kegaro asks for Tanaka's alibi, and he says that he was at the bar with a friend from 5pm onward. He says that it takes 10 minutes by car to go to the beach where the body was found, and that his friend will confirm that he never left for such a long time. Ron confirms that it was past 10pm after they arrived at the bar to fetch him, so his alibi checks out. So what do you think about this? Even Conan says that he has the perfect alibi here, as even Kogoro can confirm that he was there. So what do you think yeah. about this guy? Did you have any inklings of how he did it? Um, I definitely knew, because this is one of those classic cases where you don't really have to think too hard about the culprit. We know who it is. It's more of the tricks that the trick that's going to be uh, the focal point. So I was definitely suspecting a time trick here. Like he did something to manipulate uh, time and, you know, being at the bar during uh, the time of death. Like there was definitely something up with that. I didn't know what yet, though. Kogoro suggests having another autopsy done, but Tanaka says that if he's right, Kogoro will have to take responsibility for it. He has it ordered, and Conan then leaves the room and finds out where they rent bicycles from the police chief. Due to his confidence, Conan doesn't believe that the results of the autopsy will be any different, so he has to find out the trick behind the death. Conan comes across an old man by the beach. I like this guy. He was like the he was like the principal man. He had some funky mm-hmm. hair going on. Yeah, I I really like the scene of Conan, like just the image of Conan sitting beside this villager type guy who's who's really nice kind of asks him if he always see gazes at that spot and says he does 
He then asks him if there was anything unusual yesterday, and he says the only thing unusual is that all the trash drifts there. Due to the currents, all the trash comes drifting into this one specific part of the beach. So Conan decides to search the trash for any evidence, and he finds a like-new inner tube that has a small hole in it. He learns that it drifted here today, and is told that he can keep it, and he takes some bottles as well. We then see a scene where Conan tosses bottles in several different locations and then goes back to the beach to wait. He retrieves one and then goes to find the store where the inner tube was sold. During the scene where he's tossing all those bottles around, um, there was some really funky music music going on in the background. I don't think I've ever heard uh, that soundtrack used in Conan, so I just wanted to point that out. The scene was odd because, like, I, I kind of, I okay, he was trying to measure the currents. But, like, what does he really find out? I don't remember this coming back. Well, like, okay. Later on. So, um, you're, I agree with you in that it was a weird scene because they don't really show. So, like, he's throwing bottles around and then they come back, but they're not really showing Conan's thought process. So, if, like, I was a little bit lost just because I, I wasn't sure what kind of conclusions he was drawing from this uh, exercise. And it comes back when he's doing the deduction show because the girl in the inner tube was floating around in the water. Like, the currents were pushing her along, basically. But I feel like you could guess that the currents are going around, like, without bottles. Without the bottle exercise. Like, why did he have to throw 20 bottles around? Like, it seems like he's just littering at this point. <laughs> that old man's gonna be so pissed when the bottles that, like... This kid, he just saw him take, and then he finds him the next day. He's going to be like, God damn it, kid. <laughs> Those city kids. The second autopsy comes back identical to the first, and Kegria leaves the room to get some fresh air. That's when Conan ducks out of hiding in the side room and knocks him out. Kegria then tells everybody to come into the next room, and he begins his deduction show. Kegria says that Tanaka is the murderer, and that his alibi is perfect, as he was drinking in a bar when the victim was killed. However, the true crime scene was somewhere else. He says that Tanaka called Mitsuko to a place and drugged her with chloroform. He then tied a rope with a rock to her feet and put her in an inner tube that was punctured with a tiny hole in it. While Tanaka was creating his alibi drinking, Mitsuko was dragged into the sea currents and went into the ocean. The inner tube eventually deflated and she drowned as a result. Kegura says he must have sent Mitsuko to the sea around 7pm and that he showed up at the bar an hour later. See, okay, this part I didn't get because earlier they said that uh, Tanaka was at the bar from 5 p.m. So I didn't understand how he could be at the bar at 5 p.m. and then send her out at 7 p.m. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm guessing that must have been an error with the... Uh, the translation. The okay, yeah. yes. Was, yeah. Okay. That was the only thing I could um, like come up with to to explain that. And so the the thing I found weird about the bottles was that he doesn't specify where he dropped her off. And, like, if he did the bottle thing to figure out where she was exactly, like, dropped off and so the current would, like, take her to a place, that would, like, make some sense to me. Like, he was trying to see what... But I don't... Okay, here's what I don't get. He, only one of the bottles came back. So the, the, But all the trash goes there. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, maybe it would make a the little bottles more, confuse me maybe it would make a little more sense if and i don't recall if he was doing this if he timed it because i can see how he would want to know how long it would take for the bottles to drift around because that's essentially what it is the 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 guy the doctor tanaka would have left her drifting around for a number of hours until the tube actually deflated yeah. so 
that might have been it, although that was definitely not clear. Yeah, strange scene. A desperate Tanaka says that she could have used the same inner tube to commit suicide, but Kagura says that's impossible. He tells the police to bring a picture of her legs, and then tells Ron to tie a rope around her legs like the victim did. Poor Ron, she always has to do- deal with her dad's strange <laughs> requests. Yeah, Ron, hold this flashlight to the door and just stand there for an hour while we follow the light. Ron, tie your legs up together. So Ron does the tie, and we find out that her knot is pointed upward, while the victim's is downward. And that shows that she didn't tie it herself. Kind of then gives the officer the inner tube that was used, and Tanaka says that he never saw it before. However, kind of tracked down where it was purchased at, and the seller remembers Tanaka buying it and saying that it was for a friend's small daughter. Kagura puts the final nail in the coffin by stating that Tanaka was so confident in his alibi that he didn't even bother to wipe off his fingerprints, and that proves he was the murderer. And Tanaka, truly an idiot, is just rendered speechless and he drops to his knees foiled by a little old lady yeah what'd you think about this ending uh i, I just kind of hate the like i guess he was overconfident because the small town I mean, would have gotten away with it and everything it seems really stupid and sloppy that he'd just not wipe off his fingerprints yeah i think uh there were a lot of um oversights in this entire plan so one being the fingerprints and then the other one being the knot like he could have easily tied it from the, her perspective, so it looked like she tied it herself. If that was going to be, in fact, his story that, oh, she committed suicide, like, he could have thought that much further. So, in this, uh, this case isn't a, like, a, a straight-up manga adaptation, but it's not only an anime original either. Uh, it's actually from the Detective Conan special manga, which is, like, done by his assistants that are just, like, throwaway cases. Uh, starring Conan. Oh, so that's what that means. And mm. so this was kind of why. I, I feel like we can see that in this case. That, like, even though it's, like, fun and stuff, like, makes sense, there's a lot of, like, just small things that don't seem as polished as a typical episode and doesn't seem as well thought out. So I, you can you kind of get, like, an anime original feel from this, even though it's not. Yeah, a little bit. I guess it's also, it makes the character a little less believable, Especially if he's, you know, a doctor, seemingly, you know, well-educated, like, and he's making these tiny little mistakes, so it kind of uh, makes you question the writing. Yeah, after the ending song, Kegra is driving back and Ron remarks that she wouldn't be against her dad getting lost for another day. However, Kogoro denies ever being lost and says the smell of a case called the Great Mori Kogoro. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have chosen the wrong way. This amuses Conan, who thinks to himself that Kogoro was wrong anyway, and I thought that would be the end of the case, because that seemed like the proper send-off to a, you know, like a little dagger of a ending scene, but it doesn't. Uh, hilariously, Kogoro gets lost and winds up right back where they started. Conan then says that the sea was calling for them to stay another night there, which Kogoro finds ridiculous, but Conan says, if not, you wouldn't have chosen the wrong way. And so Kogra's like, oh yeah, you're right. I don't make any mistakes. So they get to spend another day there at the little ocean place. And then Conan's last line goes back to what he said earlier. Yeah, he says, really? What an easily convinced person. Yeah. So I, I guess I like that. I like that they were able to tie that in and they had that joke running through the episode of Okogoro. Um So I... Overall, I enjoyed watching it, despite its, uh, you know, some of the downfalls in this episode. I I, I still enjoyed it. Um, 
I liked uh, Kogro's um, attitude this entire the entire episode and he, how he kind of really wants to solve this case and it doesn't seem like he's um, uh, you know motivated by trying to help the girl the the friend of the girl who died or anything because she's hot or something it's more like he actually wants to get this jerk because uh, he's uh you know he identified him as you know a person that you can't trust and i like his motive was really weak to me like i don't I, unless they um because they didn't even explain if the the girl who died, if she was sort of pestering him, if he, she just wouldn't let him go. But it seems really weak to me to say, well, she was in the way of my marriage to this hospital chief's daughter, so I'm just going to get rid of her. Yeah, we didn't really get like a good scene where he talks stuff out. Although, you know, it was made pretty clear. Uh, I thought that episode was pretty good, even though I, I don't think it was like the high, highest quality case. But I thought. Going after the last episode, which was so much, like, just kids being kids, it was kind of nice to have a traditional murder happen. Uh, I thought the comedy was really spot on. Like, I, well, this episode, like, the mystery was kind of weak. I thought the, just the character moments were really strong. Kegura has a lot of really good moments. Conan has some zingers. Uh, Ron ties a knot. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Ron, I... I liked uh, Ron and Conan's uh, little date, like their scuba or snorkeling date, rather, uh, yeah. when they find the body. Um, although it made me <laughs> ask the question, like, does Ron not wonder why Conan's able to see without his glasses? But maybe, maybe <laughs> that's just besides the point. So the next Conan's hint is a feather. And uh, Conan says it's about scuba diving next time. And a man says, don't miss it. So don't don't miss it, Colin. Okay, I, I won't. Th- thanks for that. Thanks for that really great scuba diving joke at the end. So we've got a two-parter next, which is the scuba diving murder case, part one and part two. Yeah, any any expectations? Do you remember this case? Because I don't. Um, no, uh, I did enjoy the preview. It uh, got me interested. Um, it's interesting coming off of this one, the White White Sands case. Like it's another kind of water beach type of episode, so um, it's it's just interesting how that uh, played out, I suppose. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Jeez, tired. Um, as as I can tell, you are. <laughs> Yeah, really looking forward to it. Yeah, we'll be back next week. We have that two-parter to look forward to. It should be fun. And you can follow the podcast at case underscore reopened. And, uh, you know, before we go, I do want to say, uh, just because it's a real uh, tumultuous time in the United States right now, where, you know, a lot of our viewers reside. Uh, I think there's even some protests in Canada, too. Right, Colin? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a big, uh, big deal. Yeah, so I just want to say that obviously uh, we're not into racial discrimination here. Uh, Black Lives Matter. And uh, it's really unfortunate with uh, everything that's going on, uh, especially with just uh, kind of just seeing the whole power structure. Uh, I mean, it's nothing new. It 
with these issues is structural issues with you know police having too much power and then abusing it and uh it's really just a real sad situation so obviously you know uh, our thoughts go out to you know obviously it starts with george floyd well it doesn't really start with them because it's been going on for decades but you know george floyd's family and then it's just we're just seeing a lot of dark shit come out which i mean uh, part of it is kind of like a I feel like healing can't begin until it gets out there. So it's a lot of pent up feelings. And then uh, we're seeing a lot of people expose who they really are too. Um, but sometimes that's a good thing because, it, you know, you know who not to trust, who not to consign in. But uh, yeah, it's a real bad situation. I hope everybody's staying safe. Um, and if you're protesting, uh, make sure to, you know, have the proper safety gear. I've been seeing so many horrible videos of people getting hit with like rubber bullets. And, uh, I've been seeing just protests from two places where I lived, Atlanta and Philadelphia. And it's just seeing the footage is insane. Just thinking like, I don't live there anymore, but like thinking that like, if this happened, you know, a year ago, I could be around all the looting and stuff. And it's just, uh, kind of, frightening stuff just to see everything going on so i hope everybody's staying safe and uh you know i appreciate all our listeners uh for being so accepting i think we have a really nice group on twitter everybody gets along and i mean that, that means a lot i like that i like that we have a inclusive community for the podcast um and that means a lot but yeah it's a real rough time so just hope everybody can stay safe and know that uh we're we support everybody's uh, rights, obviously. Yep, uh, ditto. And uh, there's a there's a quote from a pretty bad movie. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's called The Room. But in it, Tommy Wiseau says something to the effect of, "If a lot of people loved each other, the world would be a better place to live." So I'm just gonna end it with that. Yeah, you know, when you said something about a bad movie, I thought you were gonna quote The Love Guru, starring Michael Myers. Uh, nope. <laughs> I mean, I, I can understand how you'd think that I only watch movies with Canadian actors in it, but uh, nope, that was not the one I was going to quote. Well, shout out to Michael Myers. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we got that two-parter. And uh, if I'll, uh, 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 yep, do the line, Colleen. Bye. <laughs> okay, stay safe, everybody. And remember, one truth always prevails.